Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 48 of the Atlanta Man podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and on today's episode, uh, we'll talk about the Hawks and the three games that they played this week against the Knicks, the Pistons, and the Warriors. Um, and we'll at the end of the episode, we'll do some housekeeping on the uh, Falcons and Braves as um, their off seasons have uh, calmed down a bit since um since last week and recent weeks as they've been going off the walls and free agency and stuff those two teams um so not as much news on them but we will get to some uh, little stuff that um is notable with the Falcons and the Braves at the end of the episode but um, we will start this episode off with the Hawks um they played three games this week like I said one against the Knicks on the road on Tuesday or on Monday rather and then one on Tuesday on the road against the Pistons on a back-to-back. And then they played on Friday against the Warriors. And those were the only games this week. So we'll start off with the next game, which was a uh, positive. Um, on the whole, the Hawks won. Uh, first win against the Knicks all season, so they avoid the season sweep to them. Uh, they went in the Garden 117-111. to 111, And Trey Young went absolutely ballistic in this game. Um, along alongside um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who had his season high on the season with um, 32 points. Uh, Trey had 45 in this game on 13 of 25 shooting. He went 7 of 15 from 3, got to the free throw line 14 times, made 12 of them. Um, he had 8 assists in this game also, so a good game passing the ball as well as scoring. Uh, we'll move on to Bogey now, who had a season high of 32 points. Um, he went uh, 11 for 20 from the field, which is great. Four of 10 from three, which is solid, and a perfect six for six from the free throw line. Um, he also mixed in three assists, three steals, and four rebounds. So uh, Bogey all over the place in this game. He played very, very well. His best um, scoring performance of the entire season. Um, as far as the Knicks go, um, they were without Julius Randle in this game, which is definitely notable. He is. Um, Probably their best player. I guess you could make the argument that R.J. Barrett has been better than him this year, which um, is definitely a possibility, definitely a reasonable argument. But he's at least their second best player, and they are without him. And the Knicks just aren't very good, even with Randall this year. The Knicks are a pretty bad team on the whole. Um, they're having a disappointing season, even more disappointing than the season that the Hawks are having. So that's... Uh, Definitely worth mentioning that the Knicks aren't good and they were without their second best player. So the Hawks only winning this game by six isn't a uh, huge like um, achieve achievement, I guess you could say, a huge like dominant victory like maybe they should have. But it was on the road against the Knicks. Um, definitely a uh, definitely a hyped up game to a certain extent. This was a primetime game on TNT. Um, it's kind of mentioned that nauseum. This was Trey Young's first game in Madison Square Garden since the playoffs last year, and. Um, he really uh, lived up to the hype for this one. He went off one of his best games of the year. Um, probably, I think it's his third or fourth 45-plus point game of the entire season. And um, so, yeah, just a uh, very, very good performance from Trey. And a solid win for the Hawks. They weren't um, dominant in this game. I don't think they played to their uh, full capabilities. But a win is a win, especially on the road um, where the Hawks have struggled mightily this year. So we'll move on to the second game. Um of the week against the Pistons, and this is where the Hawks struggling on the road kind of reared its ugly head. Um, they got absolutely housed by the Pistons, who are not good. Um, coming into this game, I think the Pistons only had 19 wins. Um, I mentioned this when the Hawks lost to the Pistons a couple weeks ago on the road, 
that they have been playing better lately, and they definitely do have some talented guys on their team. Um, you got obviously you have Kate Cunningham, who is the number one pick in the draft. They got Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bay. So they definitely have some talent, but they're still not a good team at all. Um, they're eliminated from the playoffs already. Um, so they're just really just fighting for ping pong balls, and the Hawks are fighting for playoffs positioning. A game that the Hawks really need to win, but I will. It is worth mentioning. This is the second. It was the second day of a back-to-back for the Hawks with travel. They had to go from New York to Detroit, so that's always hard. Second day of a road back-to-back. My dog's barking, um, but that's always hard in the NBA no matter what, even if you are playing some inferior opponents, and uh, especially if you're a team like the Hawks who struggles struggles a lot on the road, and they are one of the worst road teams in the NBA this year. But uh, we'll get into some of the performances in this game. Um, probably the most notable thing about this game, because it was just a blowout for a good portion of the second half, was that Jalen Johnson got to play real minutes in this game, um, largely due to the fact that John Collins is obviously out for a while now, and uh, Gallinari missed this game. So the Hawks were super thin at power forward. Um, the only other real option would be DeAndre Hunter, who has struggled a lot at power forward this year, I'd say. Um, he struggled a lot in a lot of areas, but since uh, Collins has been out, him playing backup power forward for Gallinari has not been great. Um, so they did give Jalen Johnson some pretty significant minutes, and they weren't garbage time minutes either. Um, he ended up playing 24 minutes. He had 11 points. Um, he had a uh, seven rebounds, which is uh, really good. That's the one thing that's kind of gone um, under the radar with Collins being out is that the Hawks rebounding has taken a huge hit um, because he is their second best rebounder pretty clearly behind Capella. Um, you kind of think that uh, guys like a Kongwu would be a better rebounder, but a Kongwu is actually a uh, below average rebounder for his position and his skill set, something that he definitely needs to work on. So I think Jalen Johnson if he's going to get consistent minutes, he will be the second best rebounder on the entire team behind Capella. And I think Johnson played well. Like I said, he had 11 points, 7 rebounds. Um, went 0-3 from 3, but uh, that's fine. He went 5-9 of nine from 2s, which is pretty good. Um, got got 1 and 1 and made the free throw. Um, <clears throat> he had 1 assist, 1 steal, um, no blocks. But I think he played pretty well offensively. Defense was kind of an adventure for him. Um, he is a rookie, so... It is, uh, it's not going to be too pretty a lot of the time with rookies playing defense, but you know that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Jalen Johnson definitely has the uh, the skill set and the potential to be a good defender in the NBA, but at this point of him not getting a ton of playing time in the actual NBA, it's um, it's tough for him, to, for him to ask a lot of him defensively in this one. So I don't think he was great in that department, but he was still pretty good. He was plus three on the game in a game where the Hawks lost by 21 points, which I think is notable. Um, only DeLon Wright had a higher plus-minus than him, He had only, and it was only a four. So, yeah, we'll move on from um, Jalen now, and we'll talk about um, some of the other guys. Trey, um, he had a okay game. He was not terrible by any means, like he was a few weeks ago against the Pistons, but he wasn't great either. Um, 9 of 18 from the field, which is 50% shooting, 3 of 9 from 3. Nothing disastrous from him, but um, still... Definitely uh, not his uh, best performance, but he still had 21 points and nine assists, which is kind of a testament of how great Trey Young has been this year. So when he goes, um, puts up 21 and nine on 50% shooting, it's just a eh, game for him, and um, it's just kind of how it is with him this year. If when you're playing, that's like how he played against the Knicks. He turns around with this game, it just doesn't seem as great, even though he played, you know, pretty fine in my opinion. Um, Bogey did not have it in this game like he did against the Knicks. Uh, 5 of 16 shooting, 3 of 8 from 3. Still at 13 points, but not very efficient um, on the whole. Uh, the lowest plus minus on the entire team was Herter, 
who was pretty rough in this game shooting the ball. Now, he was minus 30 in this game in 27 minutes, which is pretty rough. Um, 3 of 12 from the field, 2 of 7 from 3, only had 8 points, so definitely a rough game for Herter. And then uh, Cabarro, who got some good minutes at the 4, um, even less minutes than Jalen Johnson. He didn't play well in this game, and people were um, kind of calling for his head because he does have some rough moments, but I think he did turn around with a pretty good performance against the Warriors on Friday. Um, but TLC was not good. He was minus 27 with only three points and one of seven shooting. And Hunter was minus 27 in this game, too, with a not a terrible shooting line, 5 of 10, 50%, which isn't great, 15 points. Um, but, yeah, that's this was a terrible game for the Hawks, a game they really needed to win. And uh, one of the, probably one of the worst losses of the season, just getting absolutely blown out by a team that you are much, much better than on paper. So move on to the final game of the week, which was probably the um, the best the Hawks played the entire week. It was a Friday night at home against the Warriors. Um, and the Warriors are very good this year, but they are currently playing without Steph Curry, who is their best player far and away. Um, so it's going to be up to Clay, Draymond Green, Jordan Poole, who... Um, Clay and Jordan Poole played very well in this game, um, but the Hawks were able to dominate the second and third quarters of this game to uh, kind of put them in front ahead in the fourth quarter, and they um, never let up the lead again. They did have a pretty bad first quarter. Um, defensively, they gave up 42 points to the Warriors, which is not what you want ever, really. Um, that's, a, that's a tough performance. The Warriors were on fire, though. In the first, they shot 63% from the field and 54% from three. Um, they made seven threes, 42 points. Um, they were very, very good um, offensively. And the Hawks were also very good offensively in the first. They scored 36 points. Um, but, you know, when your defense plays that bad, it's not going to be good. It's kind of hard to be down by six points and you scored 36 points in the first quarter. Um, but they, they did that. Um, Jordan Poole had 15 points in the first quarter. Clay had 11, so they were kind of the two main contributors in the first quarter and the entire game, really. They played very well offensively, but they did cool down after that first quarter a good bit. Um, but Trey had six points in the first quarter, um, but the Hawks were really able to turn it around in the middle quarters um, as they won the second quarter 33-25, to and then they won the third quarter 32-16, to Um which gave them a very, very nice lead heading into the fourth quarter. They led by 18 heading into the fourth. Um, the Warriors did play better in the fourth quarter. They won the quarter by seven points, 27 to 20. But the Hawks still won 121 to 110. Um, let's get into the uh, player performances now in this one. And we'll go to the Warriors first just to get them out of the way. Um, Clay had 37 in this game on 14 of 26 shooting. He was getting up a lot of shots. He was hot from three. He made nine threes on 16 attempts, which is a very, very good number. Um, Jordan Poole, like I said, he had 25 points, or 24 rather, and 10 assists in this game. Um, but he definitely did cool down after the first quarter where he had 15 points. Um, his overall shoot numbers weren't great. Um, 8 of 22 from the field, 4, four of 13 from 3 isn't fantastic, but I still think he would have played generally well for the Warriors. Uh, we'll move on to the Hawks now. And uh, Trey had a good bounce-back game in this one. I thought he played very well. Uh, 33 points, 15 assists. And um, after this game, this put Trey Young in the NBA lead for total points and total assists, which is pretty wild that he leads the NBA in both of those categories. Um, he doesn't lead in the averages at all for those. I think it's Chris Paul and Embiid right now leading in assists and points. But as, as far as the total number goes, Trey leads in both of those, which is... Um, Pretty crazy. Honestly, I didn't know that until after this game was over, but he did put up a lot of points, and 15 assists is quite a bit of assists, so not, not shocking at all that um, 
he was leading after this game. And I don't know how it is anymore. The Hawks haven't played in two days, so maybe I'll have to retake that tonight. But he played very well in this game, 12 of 20 from the field. That's 60%. And 4 of 9 from 3, 44.4%. Very good. Um, Herter had a good performance, 20 points, 5 of 12 from 3. He was definitely solid and had a bounce back game after being really bad against the Pistons. Um, Capella had 19 points in this game and 13 rebounds. Definitely one of the higher offensive output games of the season for Capella. And then Gallinari was also very, very good in this one. 25 points on 9 of 20 shooting. Um, went 2 of 9 from 3, but he was hitting his 2s. So um, still a good performance from Gallo overall. He was plus 14. And um, this all came with Bogey being out in this game. He ended up um, being a late scratch due to um, injury slash illness. Um, so hopefully he'll be able to play tonight against the... Um, Pacers, which I think um, he's on the injury report at all, so I think he will be playing. But the Hawks definitely got by on offense without him. Um, Gallo, Capella, Herter, and of course Trey really, really um, helped out in that regard. So the Hawks had a big win against a good Warriors team. They were without um, Steph, so the Hawks were actually favored to win this game, even though the Warriors have a much, much better record than the Hawks, but um, still a good win nonetheless, especially coming off that terrible loss against the Pistons a couple of nights before. So we will uh, move on to the standings right now of what we have going on, what um, positioning the Hawks are in. Uh, they have currently have eight games left on the season, and they are currently 37-37 and 37 on the year. They're 10th in the East. They are currently a game and a half back of the Hornets and the Nets, who are tied for eighth right now at 39 and 36. And then Cleveland right now has currently gotten, they've gotten jumped actually by the Raptors. The Raptors are in the playoffs now as they lead the Cavaliers by game. And they are the seventh seed right now. So they would be um, the home team in that one playing game. The 7-8 playing game would be the Cavaliers right now. But the Hawks still have a shot to catch either the Nets or the Hornets. And right now that could end up putting them in the eighth seed if they were to do that. The Hawks have a very favorable schedule down the stretch. So I think there's still like a bottom three um, hardest schedule in the league. So definitely a favorable schedule. Um, you know, the Hornets just caught the Nets, so they are tied right now. And you're only a game and a half back of those teams. And they do have a game with the Nets later on. They are done playing Charlotte this year. So they only have they have a game against the Nets, which will be a big one um, if they want to make up some ground there. And then um, maybe if Charlotte, they've been playing well lately, if they can uh, kind of crater and fall off a little bit and the Hawks can um, run, ring off some wins here, they can uh, catch them. But it's definitely an uphill battle. Game and a half deficit. Um and uh, only seven games left. But the Hawks are firmly in the play-in. There was a little bit of a scare a couple weeks ago that the, the Wizards might catch them, but the Wizards have not been playing well. Um, and the Hawks have a, uh, what is this, a five-and-a-half five game lead over the Knicks for the last play-in spot. So I think the Hawks are going to at least be in the play-in tournament. It's just a matter of where they're going to be seated. Are they going to be uh, have a possibility of being a one-and-done team? Or are they going to be able to get into the 7-8 game where they can afford to lose a game? I don't know. Um, that remains to be seen. But they need to ring off some wins. They have a pretty favorable schedule this week, I would say. They play the Pistons um, first game this week on the road, though. Definitely notable that it is on the road. Um, and that game is tonight. So hopefully they can get a win there and get over 500 for the first time in quite a while, I'd say. So, yeah, we will uh, move on to the latter portion of the show which is just going to be some uh, housekeeping on the Falcons and the Braves. Um, only thing about the Falcons that's really of note was right after I finished recording last Monday is that they officially did sign Marcus Mariota. Um, it was reported right after they traded Matt Ryan that 
they were um, eyeing Mariota, and uh, he was a potential candidate to get signed by the Falcons. And then not even like 10 minutes after I finished recording, uh, Mariota got signed to a two-year deal. Um, I saw some other other reporting that he's he was told that he would get, be given a chance to be the starter. So I don't think that uh, signing Mariota takes the Falcons off the table of maybe drafting a quarterback. But um, I don't know how that's going to end out, end up turning out. So um, we'll definitely have some more draft coverage and preview stuff um, soon as it approaches um, this coming month in April. So we'll get into more of that later. Some potential targets the Falcons could be going after in the draft. I'll definitely uh, go over some of the guys that I like and think that the Falcons might select. So that'll be in some future episodes. And I'll move on to the uh, final piece of news in the show. And um, really the biggest piece of news last week in Braves camp. They're in uh, spring training right now. Spring training is in full swing. Um, Season starts in about... 10 days, so a week and a half until uh, the open, opening day on April 7th. But the main piece of news was um, some updates on Ronald Acuna Jr., who seems to be coming along very well in spring training. Um, it said, uh, it was reported by David O'Brien about five days ago, that the Braves are targeting a late April return for Ronald Acuna Jr. to begin DH duties and late May for return to the outfield. He won't play in the spring training games, but will do amounts, uh, he will do amounts but but well and we'll do what amounts to a rehab stint sorry i couldn't spit that out from time team breaks camp on april 5th until late april when he would start DHing, and then he had an update the next day saying after saying tuesday that late may was the tentative target for acuna's return to the outfield alex anthopoulos said on wednesday that the team's training and medical staff now think that he could be playing outfield in early may instead of late may so, and then there's one more quote from Ronald Acuna, and he was asked if the plan was for him to get some at-bats at DH before playing in the outfield. And his interpreter, um, Franco Garcia, said, the way I look at it, whenever I come back, I'm playing right field. And that's interesting on a number of levels. First things first was, you know, the Braves seem to be planning him to uh, come back in DH for at least a little bit before he plays in the outfield. And um, the second part of that is that he said right field and not center field. And um, I've talked about this already on the podcast, but right now the Braves really only two viable starting outfield options at center field are Adam Duvall, who is a good defender um, and can play center field. I don't know if you want them out there for a full season. And then, of course, Ron Acuna, who can play center field pretty effectively, I think. So it seems that Acuna just wants to come back and play right field, which I guess would... um, maybe delay him playing a little bit if he didn't want to DH and just want to go straight into the field. So maybe that would, you know, push him back a couple more weeks to where he wouldn't have to DH and just go straight into right field. Um, So maybe he doesn't want to do that, and maybe he just doesn't want to DH. I don't know. Um, And then the center field thing is interesting because I do imagine that the um, Braves would want him to play some center field this year, uh, considering that their options aren't great, that Duvall right now is currently the – penciled in starter at center field and um ronald definitely has more upside defensively in center field than duvall does all due respect to adam who was the braves center fielder during the entire playoffs which is worth noting so they do seem to be comfortable with him playing at least some center field this year but then you always have guillermo heredia who is a good defender on the bench you can sub him in late into games uh, as a defensive replacement you can always do that uh, for Duvall or even Acuna if you wanted to put Acuna into like right field and um, Guillermo into center but we don't even know maybe Ronald, Ronald has said it before or he didn't say it himself but he told Andrew Jones that he did not want to play center field he wants to play right field 
and maybe he's going to stick to his guns there. I don't know what's going to happen with that, but I think um, I think that he'll end up DHing before um, for at least like maybe like a week, and then they throw him in the outfield. I don't think he should have too much of a problem with that, but maybe he just wants to wait and just come back and have everything available to him to play defense and to hit. Um, I do understand that to a certain extent, but um, we'll see how the Braves handle that, and they uh, should definitely have some kitty gloves on Ronald. Uh, for sure, even though he does seem to be ahead of schedule in his rehab on his ACL, I will still definitely be careful with him as he is the uh, most important player on this entire team and the face of the franchise. So yeah, definitely want to be careful with a guy like that for sure. So uh, that'll do it for the Braves talk and that'll do it for this episode. Um, next week will be our last episode before opening day, so I'll definitely get into some uh, more preview stuff for the Braves season. Uh, just some, probably some general ideas um, sorry, just getting getting calls left and right. Um, but um, so yeah, it's just some general ideas of what I think is going on with the season. Maybe some prediction stuff that we'll get into next week. So uh, yeah, uh, that'll do it for this one. If you made it this far, I really appreciate it, and I will see you in the next one.